Hello and welcome to the Middle East Farm Speaker Webinar Series. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Andy Zemanides, Executive Director of the Hellenic American Leadership Council, join us to discuss, can Greece provide an alternative to Turkey and US strategy? Mr. Zemanides will speak for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Andy Zemanides. Thank you, Stacy, and thank you to the Middle East Forum. And welcome, everyone. Happy New Year. Um, I really hope uh, everybody has a great bounce back year in, in 2021. Uh, the topic today, can Greece be an alternative to Turkey for US strategy in, in the Eastern Mediterranean? I'll get to that, that question uh, and how complicated of a question it is after giving a little bit of, of history. And this year, uh, we are actually marking in the, the bicentennial of Greece. In, in March of 1821, the Greek war revolution uh, against the Ottoman Empire, the War of Independence, began. And at that time in the region, there was the Eastern question, what's, what's happening with the Ottoman Empire, the so-called sick man of Europe? We fast forward 200 years and there's similar questions about Turkey, the sick man of uh, the sick man of NATO or the sick country of, of NATO. And it also seems that we haven't figured out here in the United States, Brussels hasn't figured out, how do you treat uh, Turkey? Uh, Turkey in many ways uh, is still living off a legacy of relationships, post-World War II relationships, uh, and, uh, and hard power assets like in Chirlik uh, Air Force Base, and is doing a masterful job at, uh, at holding the West and specifically uh, Washington and Germany uh, hostage. When we talk about the modern relationship, uh, we are talking about the post-World War II uh, world order. Because in World War I, the Ottoman Empire was on opposite sides of the United States. In World War II, at best, it was neutral. And it was only because of the Truman Doctrine, where, and this links Greece and, and Turkey uh, together, that the United States started investing in a leadership role in that region. They were worried of losing that southeastern flank of Europe uh, to communism and, and to Soviet influence and really invested heavily both in Greece and in Turkey. And Greece, remember at that point was in the, in the midst of a, a civil war. Um, and they secured Western influence and US primacy in that region and prime influence. And Greece and Turkey have been linked in US strategic thinking ever since then, uh, even as far as which coups in both countries the United States uh, backed. They were both, they, they both were linked in US strategy during the Truman Doctrine. They both entered NATO together they both were on the US side in Korea. And then when we got to the 60s and 70s, when there was, there was tensions 
over Cyprus, which culminated in the eventual Turkish invasion and occupation of Cyprus in 1974. That's when, there, when the Greek-Turkey uh, tension started playing into US, uh, US foreign policy um, as well. Turkey and the US have had a difficult relationship ever since. I, you, I wanted to bring up 1974 because you heard a lot about it. Uh, again, uh, once the US imposed cats on from Turkey, you would hear, well, that's, this is just going to accelerate the independence of our arms manufacturing and of our defense industry, just like the US imposed uh, arms embargo on Turkey as a result of the 1974 embargo, uh, invasion of Cyprus did. They are, uh, to characterize a relationship since 1974, probably the, the Council on Foreign Relations report, there was a, a report in 2018 that was titled Neither Friend Nor Foe is the, the most appropriate characterization of this relationship. Um, in fact, the author of that report has more recently said it should be titled more full than friend. But what we've seen that despite a tremendous effort towards Erdogan over several presidencies, President George W. Bush uh, tried to establish close ties with Erdogan. Uh, President Obama in his first term, famously spoke to Erdogan as much as any world leader, made his first foreign trip uh, to, uh, to a country, to Turkey, of a first state visit, uh, and had Erdogan at the White House. Uh, President Trump and Erdogan, while there were policy tensions, uh, especially at the end, President Trump gave Erdogan direct access to him, spoke to him a lot, uh, spoke warmly of him. So despite that openness to Turkey, Turkey has become increasingly and consistently unreliable, uh, threatening both US values, uh, but interests, as we've seen from the time of the emergence of the Islamic State, where Turkey did not prioritize fighting the Islamic State, instead wanted to prioritize its fight against the Kurds. Uh, at the time of when, when the US and the EU during the Obama administration were on the same page on Iran sanctions, Turkey was always exploring its alternatives with Brazil and going against US wishes. Turkey sponsored and, and helped perpetrate the flotilla and the second failed flotilla uh, against Israel. And despite massive uh, efforts by President Obama himself, which resulted in Prime Minister Netanyahu apologizing to Erdogan, even though it was Erdogan and his government that uh, sponsored the flotilla, those relationships never got better. And in fact, Turkey sponsors Hamas, uh, and Hezbollah and uh, helps finance them and, uh, and shelter them in Turkey. We've seen uh, the, the United States, specifically during the Obama administration, hold up Turkey as an example uh, during the Arab uprisings, uh, only to see them sponsor the Muslim Brotherhood throughout the region. Uh, 
and and in in terms of Greece and Cyprus, one of the great developments in the region is the region is coming together in the Eastern Mediterranean around natural gas and energy resources, reminding people of the opportunity that existed in post-World War II Europe. The steel and coal community helped build rule of law in Europe, helped build alliances in Europe and partnerships that no one would have ever expected, specifically between Germany and, and France. And you see the Eastern Mediterranean coming together in the same way. If someone 10 years ago predicted that came on this forum and predicted that there would be a table around which the Israelis and the Jordanians, the Greeks, the Cypriots, the French, the Palestinians, the Italians were all sitting down and coming to coming up with rules and cooperation and collaboration, we would have laughed them out of the room. But that's exactly what's happening with the Eastern Mediterranean gas forum. And Turkey wants to be a spoiler. Turkey does not, not and besides the fact they've been, you know, they've been in, uh, invited to participate in this East Med gas forum as long as they agree to play by the rules that everybody else is coming up with by consensus, but they don't want to do that. They want to treat the Eastern Mediterranean and the Aegean the way China treats the South China Sea and the East China Sea. They think they are a hegemon in the region and that everyone has to play by their rules. And that's a threat to US interests as well. For the US with less resources and less, you know, apparently less willingness by the American public to play the same role in the Eastern Mediterranean, in the Middle East uh, as it has, to have a growing alliance and partnerships between countries that never partnered before, and and that this partnership, that these partnerships are becoming codified and formal, is a tremendous asset. And for Turkey to threaten all that puts the U.S. in a difficult position. That I'm giving it just a bit context, and I'm and I'm happy to uh, answer questions on that, but to directly answer the question of this talk, is Greece an alternative to Turkey in US grand strategy? Uh, probably depends, the answer depends on how you define an alternative. It's part of an alternative and it's part of an alternative strategy. Uh, and it may be the center of an alternative strategy that, uh, that is long overdue. Uh, the Congress has actually been ahead of the game compared to successive administrations. And I want to point to a major piece, a landmark piece of legislation that uh, passed in this Congress a year ago in the 116th Congress, co-authored by Senators Menendez and Rubio in the Senate and Congressman uh, Deutsch, Bilirakis and Cicilline in the House and with widespread bicameral and bipartisan support, we now have the Eastern Mediterranean Security and Energy Partnership Act, which mandates a new Eastern Mediterranean strategy built on this, this alliance of the, the three democracies in the region, which, is, which are Greece, Israel, and Cyprus. And one of the reasons Greece is in the center of this is, first of all, 
geographically, it, it has a tremendous reach when it comes to security. Let's think of Suda Bay on Crete. It's the southernmost NATO base. It has tremendous reach on the energy front. If we're building uh, alternatives for Europe to Russian energy, Greece can get Eastern Mediterranean gas. It can get Caspian gas. Uh, it is the Trans-Adriatic pipeline is going to come through Greece. The Euro-Asia interconnector is coming through Greece. An Eastern Med pipeline would come through Greece. There are LNG facilities through Greece. Greece is linked to the Balkans. Greece is linked to Italy. Greece is linked to Cyprus and Israel on the energy front. So just, just when we look at a map, and if you take a broader definition of the Eastern Mediterranean, because you can limit the definition to just the littoral states, the countries that actually border the Eastern Mediterranean, or as other think tanks have done, define it going all the way up to the Black Sea, uh, into the Balkans, and all the way down into the Persian Gulf. Uh, in, in that kind of definition, Greece is really in the center of the East, East Mediterranean. Greece brings, again, hard, hard assets like energy infrastructure bases, but also very important soft power and, and diplomatic assets. Uh, Greece is the only Eastern Mediterranean state uh, that is that is strictly Eastern Mediterranean, because if you want to define Italy as part of the Eastern Mediterranean, they meet it, but it is strictly Eastern Mediterranean that is both a NATO and a European Union member. Uh, it has traditionally strong relationships with Arab states, with Slavic states. It's the key to the Western Balkans. It has two, it's one city, its capital Athens um, can, really properly be seen as one of the great capitals of the Eastern Mediterranean, historically and even today. And its second greatest city, Thessaloniki, is probably a key to stability in, in the Western Balkans. Uh, so centering a strategy uh, on Greece, but not, not treating Greece as just a replacement for Turkey. Remember, Greece is in the center of a growing partnership that includes, that started with the trilateral of Israel and Cyprus. Then another trilateral started, Greece, Cyprus, and Egypt. Then there was Greece, Cyprus, and Jordan. Now we have the East Med Gas Forum. We have with Greece solving the Macedonian issue and establishing good relationships with the Republic of North Macedonia, you have Greece increasingly influential in the Western Balkans which have become, again, a, a tremendous battlefront uh, in US-Russia competition. Uh, energy uh, going from Greece to the Western Balkans has become a major, major uh, factor in geopolitics in the region. And US investment in hard assets, again, you look at Suda Bay, which we've talked about, has been expanded. The US is expanding its presence there, including uh, this year announcing that it will will be the home of the expeditionary ship Woody Williams. You see a U.S. big investment in the Port of Alexandroupolis, uh, which has become one of the major LNG 
facilities for the region. Uh, and it's also important for naval reasons uh, to counter Russia's breakout capability from the Black Sea into the Aegean and into the Eastern Mediterranean. So you take those assets, you think about who, who Greece's partners are right now. You think about stability in Greece, uh, including, and we're not even talking about the present government, uh, which new democracy has historically had very warm relations with the US. But the previous government, the, the government whose official name is a party, the, the party who was in government, their official name is a party of the radical left. Up to that point, uh, during its time in power, it became one of the most pro-American government in, in Greek history. Uh, the, the Greece's Western orientation and its pro-American orientation is now a matter of bipartisanship or nonpartisanship, because there are several other parties in, in parliament that are supportive of uh, Greece's European, Western, NATO, and, and pro-American orientation. Uh, its relationships with neighbors, save Turkey, even difficult neighbors like Albania. Uh, Greece is encouraging Albania's European aspirations. Their, uh, their difficulties are being referred to international uh, court of justice uh, to be disposed of not by force, but by the rule of law. Uh, Greece is really helping provide an alternative vision for the region uh, and alternative assets that the US uh, could, could rely on. With that, I, I'd like to open up to questions. Um, and I'm sure we have interesting questions. I could go on forever, but uh, I'd like to get to the detailed questions. All right, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate you speaking with us. The first question we have in is, can Greece overcome its internal problems and divisions enough to be an assertive player in the Eastern Mediterranean? Yeah, so I think its major internal problem would be uh, economics, right? Now, I, I referred to the kind of political divisions. And while the political divisions will always remain, uh, Greece is famous for its uh, political drama, uh, there is a tremendous amount of, uh, of consensus on its, uh, on its, like I said, a pro-American, pro-European orientation. Uh, when we look at the makeup of the, of the parliament it, that came out of the last election, which fortunately got rid of a lot of the wild parties, especially the, the neo-fascist Golden Dawn, they're out now. You look at about 90% of, of the seats are controlled by parties that have affirmed and stand by this pro-American orientation. Uh, the, the, there will be differences in policy, but you see uh, multilateral and diplomatic achievements from the previous government are being built on by this government, uh, whether it's the relationships with Israel, whether it's the diplomacy in the Western Balkans, the PRESPA agreement. Uh, so I think I think po the political stability is actually noteworthy. It's it's something that we haven't seen for a long time, right? There was there was always debate. Well, if if this party is in power, then we know that they're going to lean more pro pro American, and then this party will not. That's not a, a an issue anymore. It, uh, 
Greece just recently, you know, just last year emerged from a decade of, of its version of the Great Depression. Uh, now we're going to see what the damage is that was wrought by the coronavirus. But we've seen uh, just earlier this or at the end of last year, the Prime Minister Mitsotakis did a big modernization of, of the Greek armed forces. Uh, and I think, again, on hard power, on the hard asset side, Greece is trying to catch up on its diplomatic initiative. So yes, I, I do think it's, it's well on the road to being a more assertive player. Economics is going to be a big problem. And, and that's something the U.S. can help with too. The U.S. and its creditors. Give, Greece has proven, Greece has proven that it's taken, it's, taken its, its harsh medicine for during the austerity. Let's loosen it up. Maybe you know, bring foreign military financing, which which used to be a big part of the U.S.-Greece relationship. Let's bring it back on the table and let Greece play this role because it's proven its political stability and its loyalty to the United States. Thank you. And a follow-up to that question: Is Greece now economically and militarily strong enough to deal with the Turkish ambitions? Well, <laughs> let's let, let's look at the last year. Right, uh, a year ago, uh, in February of last year, Turkey tried to overwhelm Greece's borders by opening its borders and trying to shepherd migrants that had long been in, in Turkey uh, and, and force them through the Greek border. Greece held its ground uh, despite you know dis a disinformation campaign uh, from Turkey uh, alleging human rights violations, and but but Greece really held its ground, came out okay. Now, of course, that incident stopped because of the outbreak of the coronavirus too. Then, then we had uh, in the summer a couple times, Turkey uh, sending exploratory vessels into Greek waters uh, accompanied by military escort. Now, the first time Greece faced them down uh, quite stridently and kind of forced uh, Germany's hand to get the, get Turkey to back down. Uh, the second time, it was a little more tense. And again, Greece doesn't want a war. Uh, Greece tried, has been trying to solve this diplomatically. Uh, but I, I think Greece, as it's shown in both incidents, can defend itself, right? Now, the problem is, is that if a war breaks out, it's over Greek territory. It's over, so they don't want to risk that. And Greece does not want permanent tensions with Turkey, uh, but it's also the price uh, of you know, giving Turkey great hegemony, that's not going to happen. Uh, Prime Minister Mitsotakis has spoken in the United States and to American audiences several times last year. And he says, there is a win-win-win situation, but there is not a situation where Turkey gets to come here and say, what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. Uh, and that's where we are right now. Thank you. And what is the current situation with Turkey and Cyprus? Well, uh, Turkey continues to occupy the, the rough, a little over 37%, uh, 36% of the Northern part of Cyprus uh, since 1974. There have been several attempts uh, at a diplomatic solution. The last one was at the beginning of 
the Trump uh, administration, and uh, which was a carryover of efforts that started during the uh, end of the Obama administration, which are noteworthy because Vice President Biden, then Vice President Biden, played a role in them, and a couple of the incoming officials, uh, including the designate the, the designee for national security advisor, uh, Jake Sullivan, uh, who was the then Vice President Biden's national security advisor, the then Deputy Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, the then Assistant Secretary uh, for Europe, uh, Victoria Newland, the then uh, DAS for Europe, Amanda Sloat, they all played a role back then. And so then we had uh, Crown Montana that fell apart because Turkey is still not making uh, any commitment that they will in a reunified Cyprus end the occupation and their internal involvement. Right? Uh, and those talks have not restarted since they fell apart. The big, the big development over the last several months is Erdogan's preferred candidate, won the leadership of the Turkish Cypriot community. And he wants a two-state solution. And he's saying that, um, and which is flies in the face of all diplomacy, US positions, UN uh, Security Council resolutions, the positions of virtually the entire world. So Turkey may be trying to use Cyprus as a pawn in a greater Eastern Mediterranean game because they know that Cyprus is a key diplomatic partner to Israel. Israel's friendliest border is basically its sea border with, with Cyprus. Cyprus is diplomatic and its uh, strategic depth uh, for Israel. Uh, I think Turkey doesn't have an intention of getting, in, getting uh, to a solution on Cyprus. For Cyprus' sake, they're going to use it as a pawn in a greater game uh, in the Eastern Mediterranean. Thank you. And will the U.S. support under the incoming Biden administration the growing alliance between Israel, Cyprus, and Greece, or will it try to rebuild a U.S.-Turkey relationship, do you think? That's a that's a that's the million dollar question, right? Uh, this relationship was started. That remember the trilateral was started uh, during the Obama administration. Uh, there were some people in there who didn't see it as anything more than a kind of a bounce back relationship or kind of a revenge relationship on on Turkey. But then there were people, especially in the State Department's Bureau of Energy Resources, who encouraged it and saw the the potential in it. Uh, the difference between now and then is, again, we have U.S. law, new U.S. law in the Eastern Mediterranean Security and Energy Partnership Act. Uh, we have a much different world. We've seen, I think there were people, you know, the Victoria Nuland, four or five years ago, uh, I was in meetings where she said, well, Turkey can be a hedge against Russia. Well, we've seen that that's not true, that Turkey has a uh, a not helpful uh, relationship with Russia either. And they may not only not be an asset in the US competition with Russia, but they may be to, to some extent a, a fifth column. Uh, so the world is much different. Uh, US politics is different. The, the treatment by thought leaders uh, from multiple think tanks and the press is much different. Uh, and the U.S. 
or the Greece Cyprus Israel partnership is not only Greece Cyprus and Israel anymore, right? The uh, you have the UAE even before the Abraham Accords, but the UAE is close with Greece. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but during the tensions with Turkey, the UAE sent an F-16 fleet to, to Crete, right? You have France, which uh, was an EU country that openly sided with Greece and Cyprus, also sent military assets. You have Egypt, you have Jordan. So you have all these countries coming together. This is not about siding with just Greece or Greece, Cyprus, and Israel versus Turkey. This is about that there's something positive happening everybody's coming together right turkey's actually has accelerated how quickly they're coming together because there are there are positive reasons you know there's energy diplomacy economic reasons strategic depth but there's also some level of bandwagoning and the us needs to come in there and say listen these guys all want to work with you everybody greece cyprus israel everybody has been open to negotiations with turkey eventually putting Turkey into the Ismet gas forum. But the U.S. has to tell Turkey that everything is going to, the train's going to leave the station without you, and we're going to be on that train too. You need to change, not the others. Thank you so much for that. And in our final minute here, what are your recommendations going forward for the U.S.-Greece-East Mediterranean relations? Well, first, like I, I'll go back. I'll start with the law, the East Med uh, Security and Energy Partnership Act. That has to be fully implemented and then taken to an, uh, another level. So the uh, the East Med Act reintroduced a very modest level of foreign military financing for Greece. I think that should be increased. Right, Greece is. Greece is one of the countries, since this is, again, a bipartisan issue, uh, that has consistently met its 2% of GDP spend. Uh, it's, it has tremendous geography, uh, great relationships. Uh, most of Greece's senior military command is, is graduates of the U.S.'s International Military Education Training Program. Um, so this is somewhere where we should be building up the the hard power assets greece is you know greece is getting the rafale jets right from from uh, france it'd be great if we can get greece into the f-35 program right greece has shown that it will it will go the extra mile to invest in its military and its western security orientation but we got to help them we got to remember this is a country that came out of just horrible austerity and there are there are countries that probably are much less crucial to American uh, security interests that are getting such foreign military assistance. We have to help US capital markets see the opportunity in Greece. The US, unlike China, doesn't have some sovereign wealth fund and goes and buys uh, infrastructure. When Greece was in austerity, we were part of the international community saying, you gotta privatize a lot. And then the US didn't show up when China bought the biggest port in Greece, which is on its way to being the biggest port this year in the Mediterranean and within the next couple of years, the second biggest port in Europe. We cannot let the Chinese uh, have free reign in, in Greece, in the Eastern Mediterranean, in the Southern Balkans. Uh, Greece has shown that it will prioritize American investors. Let's get the American investors there. And then let's create the political cover and the technical cover for 
positive developments, diplomatic developments like the Eastern Mediterranean Gas Forum and, and encourage them to take the next step, which is put a security component. There's the, the energy diplomacy is happening, put a security component, teach some of these countries how they can take these, the, so I referred to the Euro-Asia interconnector before. That's gonna be the longest submerged power line in the world. And it's gonna go from Greece, from, from Europe, uh, Europe's main power sources to Greece, to Cyprus, to Israel. It goes both ways and it can take all sorts of power. And there are unbelievable opportunities and we see Israel already making the best of it, taking their gas proceeds, putting them into electric car industry. Greece, Cyprus, and Israel are giving us an, uh, a tremendous amount of solar and wind capabilities. The US should encourage this energy diplomacy to look at all sources uh, and, and, um, and provide political and technical cover and not just try to fit Turkey into it. Thank you so much. And real quick before we go, can you tell our viewers where to find a little more of your work? Sure. Uh, they can go to our site, uh, HellenicLeaders.com. Uh, and uh, even better, because everybody does everything on Twitter now, just follow us at, at HellenicLeaders. All right. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, we've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Mr. Zemanides, for taking time to speak with us. Thank today. you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And for our viewers, please be, please be on the lookout for our weekly webinars offering email coming out over the weekend. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day.